0: So welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Team Stripes podcast. We uh, thank everybody for listening to all the shows and for being engaged in our community. And this week we have a guest that most out there are pretty familiar with, and certainly if you followed us on social media, you know very well. His name is Don Koharski, KoHo as some know him, who is a very experienced official, former NHL referee, who has worked 11 Stanley Cup finals, over 2,000 NHL games, and he joins us today on the podcast, so uh Don good morning morning Brandon How are you so uh for the listeners out there um I've known don for for some time. I went to his camp since I was probably about seven or eight years old, and uh, I wasn't very good back then, but uh, I still learned quite a bit so uh don I'm just wondering for for the listeners out there I mean how did you first get involved with uh with officiating kind of what's your what's your story
1: well I was um I didn't really, I was a late bloomer, I didn't really learn how to skate till I was 12 or 13 years old, um, from Dartmouth, uh, Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, and always lived out in the country, uh, my dad was a service guy in the Navy, Canadian Navy, and we always lived out in the outskirts, uh, out in Herring Cove area in Nova Scotia, for those listeners that are familiar with Nova Scotia at all, and our basically our our hockey playing was on the ponds in our boots and using the old the old stories the Eaton's and the Sears catalogs as goalposts and uh, we did not use rocks for a puck we did have an actual rubber puck so uh, yeah and we just sort of like it was stick hockey stick and ball hockey stick and puck hockey but in our boots and um, toned my uh, hockey skills uh, that way. Uh, and then we moved into Dartmouth over in um, Shannon Park, Wallace Heights there. And, of course, they had probably the best facilities in Dartmouth. We had our own our own arena and football fields and baseball diamonds and our own school and grocery stores. So we were pretty spoiled being in the Navy that way. Yeah, and then at 13, I think I just went down, started to learn how to skate a little bit. And, um yeah, enjoyed playing the game, played the game at a pretty high level, had a an opportunity when I graduated from Dartmouth High School to uh go play hockey on a scholarship at St. Avex University down in Anakinish. Or had an option to get hired in nineteen seventy five by the World Hockey, the WHA, which was for you young people out there was a rival league or a league that tried to rival the National Hockey League and I guess the big story was that Bobby Hull jumped from the National Hockey League and went to Winnipeg Jets uh, and tried to make a go of it there. So I had a decision then, but I was only, gosh, I was only five or six years into officiating then. I was 18 turning 19 when I graduated from high school, and I uh, took the avenue of uh, following my, per- my passion for officiating. Now that being said, I did when I got into officiating, I was doing both. I was playing hockey and understanding that hockey IQ. Uh but my passion, my my true passion was officiating. I really really enjoyed it. I I just loved the challenge. I loved the bigger the game, the better it was, even at the amateur level and right up until my last year when I got was fortunate enough to get hired by the WHA. I think that last year I worked 410 games. Uh, amateur games, and I still knew I had a pretty good chance of getting hired by the WHA, but I just thought, you know what? I'll work Pee Wee host League games. I'll work Saturday mornings at 6 a.m. Uh, I'll do my junior games, my university games over the weekend. I just I just enjoyed skating, number one, and, and I
0: really, really enjoyed the, the officiating. And so what was it that appealed to you when you first kind of got into the officiating side? Was it just the extra cash? Was it something that you really wanted to get involved with i mean what's kind of the story there no i can tell
1: you in hindsight if it's for the extra cash everyone out there that's listening you're in it for the wrong reason um yes absolutely there was extra cash but back in my day i refereed in the shannon park arena for eight hours a day on saturdays and sundays and my reward was a hot dog coca-cola a bag of chips for lunch And I could get a burger, bag of chips, and a a drink for supper, and that was referee and host league all day long. So there was no 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 dollar games back in my day. So um, it was truly for the love of the game. I just loved to skate. I loved to be part of the game. And I just think my personality was that you know, the the challenge. The the challenge of going out there and performing every every morning, every afternoon, every night and being the best I could. I would I wanted to be the best lacrosse player, I wanted to be the best hockey player, I wanted to be the best volleyball player, I wanted to finish first in the cross country uh runs that I did and I just wanted to be the best official, whether it was a Pee-wee or an atom or whatever it was at the time, novice house league game, or it was a university game that same Saturday night. So so it wasn't chasing the, the almighty dollar. Uh it was just uh, having a passion for officiating, just I guess I'm a different breed or I was a different breed, but uh yeah, so it was actually I got my start, I, my wife now Susan, we've been dating since we were thirteen years old. Yeah, I know, God bless her soul. <laughs> For those that know me <laughs> um it was one night on a saturday night i had just refereed uh all day long in house league and, and and believe me we used to sleep at the arena in shannon park you can ask mike clarks anybody i grew up with um we used to sleep in the arenas because teen skate would get over at 11 and then on saturday night then we'd stay at the rink and play stick and puck hockey at the rink get up in the morning, fill up the blue barrels with hot water and scrape the ice and flood it ourselves to get ready for all the practices on Sunday morning. Uh, that was pre-Zamboni times. Uh, but that's just that's just what we did. And one night after a teen skate, we'd usually go over to the fire hall with our favorite girls and get a, a drink over at the fire hall just across the street from the arena and one night, uh, uh, Bear League guys or old-timer guys asked Mike Clark and I to stay and um, an officiate, just drop the puck and call offside so they could feel like they really had a sorry, I guess, a game instead of just a shinny game with no whistles or face-offs. And, uh, yeah, I think from that night on, I think I was 14 or 13, from that night on, I said, geez, i got to get into this referee, and that was a lot of fun out there tonight at 1130 at night on a Saturday. So, yeah. So it's uh, it's been quite an evolution since then.
0: And where did you kind of get that idea in your head that hey, I could make a career out of this? Did, did somebody approach you when you were starting out say, hey, Don, like you you're, you you got a knack for this, or was it just that, that passion that you mentioned? Or where did that where did that, that aspiration to go far in officiating come from?
1: Uh, I'll be honest with you. My first couple of years, it was I wanted to be a hockey player. I wanted to play at the highest level I could, whether it was at St. Evèx and then off to pro hockey or whatever. I I mean, officiating was the furthest thing from my mind. Um, but I think it, it's a the passion that I developed for officiating, um, meeting the guys, being part of that fraternity, even at a young age. To me, that was so cool. I mean, meeting guys outside of Shannon Park, Wallace Heights, traveling with guys in cars to go do games. That was just, I mean, that was just, I mean, hard work, passion. And, and I tell everybody, you know, if you if you work hard, you'll get rewarded. No matter what walk of life you're in, you you work hard, you commit, you have passion for what you do. You should, you should and you will get rewarded. And I just... That one year at Shannon Park, I won an award in my community for the that kid in the community that, you know, sort of does everything. And historically, that award is just a trophy with a cup on it. So I, you know, I, I, I helped clean the baseball. I helped mark the baseball fields, clean the football fields. I worked at the arena. I was at the arena. So I was the guy that won that award. And someone there, and I believe it was a gentleman called Gene LaRue and Dave Hensby, um, they they recognized and acknowledged my passion for officiating that season. And so I won the trophy. But what they made a little bit different on that, that day that I won it, they added a $50 gift certificate, which was a lot of money back then. They put a $50 gift certificate with the cash To put towards any officiating clinic that I would have liked to attend, because they they recognized and they seen the passion I had, and maybe I was just too young to know that I had that much passion. Um, So I was fortunate enough. My dad, like I said earlier, was in the Navy, and he was able to get uh, free uh, plane rides out of Shearwater. Now they were cargo planes, and I had to sit in the back with all the cargo that was going from Nova Scotia up to Trenton, Ontario. And a gentleman named Eric Manship ran a uh, officiating camp in Wasaga Beach, Ontario. Uh, so I no computers back then. I, I don't even know how I found out about it. Um, and I decided that's, well, you know what, I'll take that $50. I got a free flight. Took the old bus into Toronto, stayed at the old YMCA on Yonge Street, which is obviously no longer there across the street from the bus station and Eric Manship picked me up and I went up to my first officiating school when I was 14 years old and that was all run by the WHA guys. So that's the segue in how I got noticed and scouted and recruited by the world hockey association. So yeah, and then I, I really enjoyed that and that just gave me the drive to go back home the following winter and take that stuff that I learned at that camp I put it into my officiating toolbox the next year, and uh, boy, what a difference it made my that next season of mine. I ended up doing hockey as a 15-year-old that I shouldn't have been doing, if if uh, I wouldn't have been doing if there was a a level system now. Uh, if that level system was back then, like it is now, I'd probably still be just doing Bantam hockey at 14 years old, but. By the time I was 16, I was doing university finals, junior A finals as a linesman. Uh, And then at the ripe old age of 18, I got hired by the WHA. I kept going back to that camp to get exposure and and promote myself and be an independent contractor and just say, hey, I'm still here. I'm interested. I'm I'm making a financial investment here to get here. Um, And my mom and dad had no money. So, I mean, it was just... You know, it was on me and they supported me a hundred percent. But yeah, so uh yeah, so I had to make a decision, get hired by the WHA and make uh eight thousand dollars a year at eighteen years old or go to Santa Vex and play uh university hockey for four years. So
0: And obviously uh, that education and that support from your family and uh you know, all of that obviously paid off as you know, you you had a, a really tremendous career and Obviously, those out there listening know that your career progressed from the w h a to the n h l where you've had a, a tremendous amount of success and a lot of high profile games and i mean just looking back at uh you know your your career is there any memories that stick out for you as as special memories um over 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 that time
1: oh my god there's there's hundreds of them, and when I say hundreds, they're just not memories that are on the ice or big games it's just you know uh, the opportunity my children had, my family have, my extended family had to go and see all star games that I worked and, and and Stanley Cup finals that I worked. Uh, you know, a lot of people forget that those are highlights in our lives too. It's just just not about getting your first Stanley Cup final or 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 being asked by as the Canadian referee by the Russians to work those eighty seven Canada Cup finals with Canada and Russia. It's just the other side of it, too. It's, you know, the families and friends are able to take advantage of all those highlights in my career, too. And their support and, uh, you know, their perseverance of, you know, you got to understand, like the National Hockey League, uh, I'll steal a line from Brian Lewis, a senior official, former boss of mine and, 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 and teammate, uh, he always said the National Hockey League doesn't stand for the NHL doesn't stand for the National Hockey League. and our side of the business, it stands for no home life, and it's so true. I mean, you're just gone for eight nine months of the year, and I tell you, without a strong base at home and in your and your wife and and you have children. I mean, there's sports, there's school events, there's dance classes, there's oh my gosh, and you miss a lot of that when you're on the road. So you know, so everything at home is. Basically, you know, your wife, your partner has to be your strength to have you succeed out there in the field, and you can just stay focused and do what you need to do out there in the field. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, my first Stanley Cup final um, as a young guy. Uh, I just turned 30 years old. I mean, I started in the league as a linesman. I got hired as a linesman in the National Hockey League in my first two and a half years. Um, I worked 163 games as a linesman in the National Hockey League, so that is part and partial of the total of, of regular season games that I've worked as an official. Um, and then I, I was young, still young at the time. I think I was 23 or 24 years old at the time, and Scotty Morrison and, and come to me and said, you know, you're still young. Would you have a desire to go and try refereeing? And to be honest with you, that was where my heart was. I was just wanted to get hired, so I got hired as a linesman. Um, yeah, so I had a good talk with Susan, my wife, and I said, you know, I'm 24. I spent five or six years in the minor leagues, you know, learning the trade and grooming my my skill set. Uh, by the age of 30, I should be full time NHL. And, and you know at back in those days that was all three man system so your average age of retirement was 45 46 47 years old at the time so i said well we you know we'd get 15 16 17 good years if i if i if i make that transition now uh so we made our decision on 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 those facts those points and I was very fortunate by the time I turned 30, at the age of 30, I worked my first Stanley Cup final, let alone just get into the league and have a 15 year career. So, uh, so that one there makes that, that first final makes that one pretty special. Um, I was ahead of the curve a little bit. And believe me, when I tell you these stories, I, I'm trying to be as humble as I can because I don't like talking about my career. <laughs> you all got to know that. Um, but I was a very fortunate, very lucky guy,
0: no different than I am today, sitting here in my backyard. And you mentioned one thing, which which was family. And uh, I think anybody that knows you knows, knows how important that is to you, obviously. And, and certainly the the, the, the skill set of officiating didn't stop at you. I mean, it seems that there is a there's a gene in the the Kowarski family that, that just, you know, you must be fit for officiating. I mean, can you talk about just kind of your family and how they've all sort of adapted to officiating as a... Has a way of life, it seems?
1: Yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, my brother Terry, uh, I mean, he's still going strong. He's 54 years old, and he just uh, worked his 11th consecutive Calder Cup final um, uh, last uh, May, June, whenever they finished in June, the, the Toronto Series in the American League. So that was his 11th consecutive. Um, Terry got his start. Um, I remember. Uh, one year, um, we had the exhibition games, I think, in 87 for the Canada Cup, and there was a couple of games in Halifax. And God rest uh, John McCauley's uh, soul, uh, my boss at the time, my mentor through my career. I owe every, I owe a lot of my success on and off the ice to, to John. Um, there was a game in Halifax. It was uh, Canada and Finland, I think, or Canada and Sweden leading up to the 87 Canada cup and John McCauley, I called him at lunch hour. I said, John, who are the linesman tonight?" I'm talking to the local guys around town. And there's a lot of local guys that were doing the American hockey league. And my brother Terry was trying to break into the American hockey league with his best friend, uh, Richard Shirley, who some of the listeners may know, Richard. And he says, Oh geez, Cole. He says, I forgot to assign them. He says, can you just call a couple of guys I said, well, I know the American League guys that'll work it, but I got two guys that I think should be working in the American League. Can I, can I use them? He says, Who are they? I said, My brother Terry and Richard Shirley. He says, yeah, he says, Throw them in. He's the next division game. Not going to hurt anybody. Yeah. So they worked that game that night. And a funny story from that night: Gretzky's playing, obviously, and I went over to Gretzky, and my my brother is just—I mean—he's terrified. Uh, in '87, he would have been. Oh, my God, maybe 17 years old, uh, whatever it was. And uh, I told Gretzky, I said, in this next face-off, test him. Just go over and test him. Just just defy him. Try to embarrass him. I want to see how he reacts. Well, I, the reaction that Terry gave Gretzky wasn't the one I was expecting. It ended up that Gretzky owned him, won that face-off real clean, and Terry apologized to him for having bad face-offs. So... <laughs> so just a little fun spin on Brother Terry and how he got his start and where he where he ended up and he was he was a trainee with a with the National Hockey League for a few years and just you know timing uh, at the time and no jobs available uh, just his window passed um, and it's no different than my son Jamie who you know he got in officiating when he was nine years old we were actually looking at old pictures last night in an album that I'm that I found, and uh, yeah, he just he spent 12 years had a, a real good career in the American League and the minor pro leagues, and uh, you know a few national finals. He we we moved to St. Louis, so a lot of his hockey, his career was through USA Hockey out of St. Louis. Uh, you know, did three national finals, two uh, two as a referee, and one as a linesman, um, and just you know his window, he missed his window with. Hirings wrong place, wrong time. Um had the skill set, but uh just it's it's this job is about patience and being in the right place at the right time like, like any any job out there. So yeah, so our genes are, are are pretty deep. I mean we've all had successful careers at the levels that we we, we worked at and we 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 conquered every league that we were all in, so uh, it's not a bad
0: thing for the Koharski
1: family. Right
0: and uh i think you know we we could spend hours on on hours talking about you know experiences you've had over the the course of your career and just you know family and everything but i would love to jump because obviously you know if anybody out there doesn't know dawn and team stripes are working together to develop an academy and you know i basically i want to ask you because you know when you were still doing officiating, I mean, you obviously started to do your very popular series of camps and you you, you know, you, you got very involved in in educating officials. I'm just curious, I mean, where did that passion to start teaching officials come from and, you know, like what what was the sort of the goal behind getting these programs going?
1: Well I guess it all started. I was a young official and as I said, I was fortunate that I, I had a pretty good, I fast-tracked my career a little bit. Uh, well, it was not a little bit, but I did get, I was fast-tracked, but I like to think that I earned every minute of that with my work ethic and my passion, and I got to give kudos out to um, Bruce Hood, uh, God rest his soul, uh, the uh, Bruce Hood International Schools of Officiating. Bruce asked me to work as one of his staff members along with lots of them. I mean, we had full-time NHL guys working his, you know, the Ron Finns, the John D'Amico's, myself. I think Ray Scampanello did a couple, uh, Terry Gregson. Uh, uh, so I was fortunate enough to be part of the, his instructional staff. And then just from there, it just led into, uh, like I said earlier, I, I, I'm very competitive and I take everything I do very, very serious. Um, I guess uh, Bruce liked what he saw in me at his camps, and then I ended up, after two or three years, uh, becoming his program director. So that curtailed me doing the scheduling, uh, some of the registration, um, taking care of and hiring the staff, who were all 10, 15 years senior of me at the time, Uh, so I'd have to call a John D'Amico and say, it's Don Koharski. John would like to come work with us at the Hood School. And uh, so I got into the administrative side of it with Bruce and became his program director and lead instructor for the ice. Um, Yeah, and I just, uh, Bruce's school dissolved. Uh, Bruce had retired, and his, his, his family who were running the camp, which was another lesson I learned that, You know, if you want things done and you want them done properly, then probably lean on your immediate family to get it done. Uh, I think you experience that a little bit in your life, (laughs) Brandon, with your dad. For sure, yeah. And your mom. Yeah, Yeah, and your mom and the business ventures they're in and how successful they are. Um, So I just, when Bruce dissolved, uh, I seen an opportunity. So uh, the very next year, I took the Don Koharski's officiating camp and uh, brought it to Burlington, Ontario, And again, we looked at the first picture of that camp last year, last night, and, uh, we were reminiscing a little bit over at my son's house and, uh, we looked back there and that was 30 plus years ago, just our camps now. And it just, it just taken off and ballooned from there. And I just, you know, I often sit back and I say to Susan now that I'm, you know, a little bit older or much older, not a little (laughs) bit, I'm much older, um, and I sit back now, and I just think it's it's even to today, and the venture that you and I are getting into, which I'm very excited about, it's taken ten years off my life because of my excitement and my energy <laughs> for our project. Um, and, and it and it's I I think it's lateral to my referee camps. I keep saying to my wife, when are we going to stop these camps? And then I answer the question myself. Well, we can't because where would 250 plus young officials go to learn? And improve their skill set within our market area of where our camps are, because there's nothing else like them in our area. There's lots of camps out there, but I mean, in our area where we've got a brand, I mean, how do we shut the door on 250 young officials or officials of all ages and all gender? How, how do, where does that get replaced? And then along came our little venture, our project. Well, not little. It's it's. It's a project. Um, and then I'm going, oh, wow, here's another opportunity where we, I, we can still give back now during actual the the, the playing of the hockey season and, and, and just do reminders and, 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 and send out lessons from our academy to continue to teach these young officials, all of them, um, to improve their skill set and Uh, definitely take their officiating to the next level. So, uh, yeah, when you reached out to me back in May, I guess it was, um, I was sort of, if you remember, I was sort of half excited. And then I was fortunate enough to sit on a task team with Hockey Canada in in Regina. And I really found out in detail of, you know, the, the need out there the wants out there to not only for well mostly for resilience but to retain officials at all ages to help them grow and develop with the program and then after I left that meeting with Hockey Canada uh, I think if you remember Brandon I got back to you right away and say yeah let's uh, I got to take a look at this real serious about we'll partnering up with you on this project.
0: Yeah so just kind of to fill in the background of, kind of how this all went I mean You know, I've been working on Team Stripes for some months and trying to build, you know, educational tools. And, you know, I knew Don was basically the key guy to go to in terms of educating officials. So I basically approached him. I said, Don, would you be interested in teaching, you know, creating some online tools for officials, you know, a course, an academy? And I I think you probably thought I was crazy for the first little bit there, Don, but you warmed up to the idea. And yeah, we've we've been working very, very hard to create this. Uh, We filmed actually in Moncton, here in New Brunswick uh, would have been probably two or three weeks ago now. And we spent, I can't say we, but Don spent, you know, countless hours basically, you know, creating the content, the curriculum that's going to go into his masterclass or, you know, his his first initial course we're going to launch. I mean, Don, like when you, when you're crafting these courses, cause I think a lot of officials are obviously going to see this. I mean, you know, what goes into crafting that perfect course for you? I mean, what did you kind of draw in your, your experience and say, you know what are the critical elements to know. I mean, how did you develop that curriculum uh, for these officials for this for this program?
1: Uh, just let me before I even get into answering that. Or um, yes, we all worked very hard, and you've been working harder for a longer period of time on on building our, our the community and building team stripes. So I mean, uh, you know, you got you you got the entrepreneur the techie guy in Brandon who works countless hours every single day. I don't work countless hours every single day, but I do work countless hours. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just leave that out. So I, I don't want people out there thinking that this is all, all about me and this is my thing. I I get the curriculum. I have the experience for the content. Uh, but without a good person behind the scenes, it's like like I said earlier, If you if you don't have that structure – behind the scenes and no matter what I do out front or what kind of a lesson I put behind put forward it doesn't come off or the way it should but uh, so credit goes to you Brandon too for your your hard work and uh, what you took six years of school to, to perfect so and then our guys our, you mentioned about our, our film I mean our film guys we flew them in from Vancouver into Moncton and like Brandon said we did the the videotape and I think it was 18 or 20 hours, it might even be more, Brandon can correct me if I'm wrong, but at least 18 hours of on ice uh, rolling these uh, 12 lessons out. Um, and and I guess what what it presents, um, I'll give you an example, a face-off's a face-off, right? We can all go online and find out how to drop a puck. But what we're bringing to the platform, what we're going to bring to the globe is the little things, the details that are going to hone your skills to be that much better, and it's we're paying attention to detail. It's in the lessons we've got four or five of them out right now, and um, we're we're looking at them for our eyes only, and it's amazing. it's truly, truly amazing, uh, way better. And these aren't even this is first draft. We're we're still. We haven't seen the coloring yet. We haven't seen the editing, the, the, the audio yet uh, fine-tuned. And they're as slick as slick can be. But what we're doing here in our lessons is that you're getting taught key points here that you'll never hear at any other clinic anywhere you go. And, that's, and I say that respectfully um, to all the national levels, everyone that puts on clinics and that, Unfortunately, you just don't have the time and the money. These other organizations to do what they all want to do. It's in their heart. They all have passion, or else they wouldn't be wouldn't be involved in it. They just don't have the time and the budget to do it. Well, we do, um, and that's what we're we're presenting in our lessons in our curriculum. It's uh, there's twelve different lessons in our inaugural. Um, pitch that we're going to send out to you or we're going to make available um and again the the whole bottom line the end game is just paying attention to detail and the little things that i've learned over my years on how to diffuse scrums and gatherings by just saying something as simple as hey blue you're getting a power play then everything stops everybody wants a power play Nobody wants to even a thing. So it just goes into great detail, audio and visual. And uh, the, the players that we had for our real-life time uh, demos, they were off the charts. They were, they were so good. Um, yeah, if you can't, can't tell about the excitement in my voice, I just can't wait to. Yeah. Mid September or whatever to release these things. And it's funny because
0: when when we, when we first sat down, I think in our first few meetings, you know, I don't know if it was you, Don, that mentioned it or if I mentioned it, but I think when we talk about video and instruction, you know, uh, towards officials, everybody thinks of those, you know, modules that are that are put out by the, the the national bodies. And with all due respect to the national bodies, you know, I think most officials out there will recognize that these modules can be pretty painful. So. I think in our very first few conversations, we, we said, okay, how do we make sure these don't just turn into some modules? And so like Don mentioned, we brought in a very young film crew from Vancouver that, you know, this is going to be the most modern teaching tool you're ever going to see for officiate. I, I can And I'm a little bit biased here, but it's going to be absolutely incredible as Don said. And you know, we, we, we definitely worked very, very hard to make sure that this is something that's never been seen. And in the next couple of weeks, you're going to see some of this, the early looks, and it's going to be, you know, absolutely incredible. I, you know, I don't know how I can put any more positive spin on it, Don, but, uh, you know. I think no, and we are a little
1: bit biased, but I'll tell you what, if if, if I'm going to put my my face on something or my name, uh, and I told Brad, Brad and I'm, not, I'm not doing this. I mean, this has got to be premier. It's got to be content. It's got to be coaching. It's got to be clear, crisp, um, and I'll tell you what. I mean, I mean, seriously, I, 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 I dare you all, <laughs> I challenge you to take these lessons and sit with them. It's something that you'll have. It's something that you can go over and over. If you're if you're weak and in, 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 in you need improvement in your, your entry into the end zone or your net presence uh that 's on these lessons. The curriculum is off the off the charts, and our guys are doing an unbelievable job so um and we've we've sent some snippets out to some some people at all levels from the west macaulays uh to r i c s uh, and everybody in between and um they're they're as excited as we are to see this thing get launched
0: and you know I think that 's a really critical element to this and you you talk about you know getting other people involved and from day one it's always been about community for us that that's been at the heart of this it's never been a a one-man show or a two-man show it's always been about you know incorporating everybody that's out there in the officiating world because there's lots of experience there's lots of insight there's lots of passionate people that want to help retain officials that want to help improve officials so I'm glad you mentioned that, Don, because I think at the heart of this is we don't want to we we want to create this to we want to make this to be a, a community at, at the core where officials can learn and improve and you know join a join a sense of brotherhood or sisterhood amongst other officials, right?
1: Yeah, and the other, you know, and another another positive side to this, it's for everyone. It's for everyone. I mean, there's content in there that. Um honestly some of our guys in the National Hockey League which is what I do now I coach and mentor those guys along with six or seven other retired guys I'm a fortunate guy but there's even something little in there that they can take from one of these lessons an area that they're weak at so we're 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 we're, we're targeting everyone we're 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 giving you stuff that I give to the National Hockey League officials we're we're giving you that stuff at this level it's a boat it's a boat retention it's about resilience it's about knowing uh, about being patient uh, about you know I know your first couple years you're going to be left out there on an island but patience is your best friend someone's going to get to you and that's a segue into it those observers those coaches uh, your your mentors your RICs you have a look at these these lessons and boy oh boy uh, your, your coaching and how you go in now and approach officials after a game or before a game, you're going to have so much content now to use in a positive fashion to coach these, these officials at all levels. I mean, so it's, it's, there's more, more to it than just the on ice, uh, side of it. But I'll tell you that as, as administrators, RICs, assigners, supervisors, don't like that word, but I'll use it just because that's what the common common word is. There's so much that they can take away from these lessons and get it out into the field and help these guys improve their skill set and feel good about themselves.
0: I couldn't have said it better myself, Don, and uh, uh, and we're going to do a shameless promotion, but we're probably going to be releasing these... Uh, the Academy and the course uh, approximately on September 15th. So you're going to see plenty from us before then for sure. You're going to see lots of previews, but that's what the date is, September 15th. So for all those listeners out there that are interested, you know, check us out. For all those officiating coaches, as Don said, if you're out there, reach out to us. Uh, we want to really get this information out to as many folks as possible to help them out. So, uh, Don. And listen, uh, yeah. to you to all out there listening. Listen,
1: we're still in the middle of editing, and, and I mean, I think we have twelve lessons, and we we've, we've got four or five out right now. It's not too late to 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 have an opinion to have maybe something that you know you'd like to hear or see it's the the seeing part, the odd the visual side's not going to change, but uh, all our lessons are designed where we can edit our, our our coaching, I can edit the coaching how i'm how I'm breaking all the videos down, um, Share it with us get into our community, Uh, tell a a fellow official, tell a coach, tell a a supervisor, but just get into our community and be a part of our platform. It's, it, it is so cool. It's so cool. And this is the greatest fraternity in the world. And I hope you all take it as serious and, 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 and and get into these lessons and
0: and enjoy them as much as we have uh, along the way, putting them together for you uh anyways uh thanks again don for your time and we'd love to leave you with some uh, to the with the officials out there we'd love to leave you know maybe some some parting thoughts from you or some some words of advice uh you know the season's starting up pretty soon do you have any words of wisdom for the officials and the officiating coaches out there
1: yeah i think we've gotta we've gotta find you gotta find that nether thick skin uh for the young officials um just just stay with it want to grow with your communities And at the end of the day, I think the best two tips I can give you is a good
0: sense of humor and a short memory
1: will help you succeed in your officiating for this
0: upcoming season. Right on. Thank you very much, Don. And uh, you'll be hearing from us soon, There, everybody out there listening.